Welcome to the Triskelion, the Purica podcast, where it's all about nature, science, you. We talk a lot about performance personalities on the Triskelion, the Purica podcast. Well, we've got a performance personality on board this episode. She is Alexa Liu, snowboarding Olympian, athlete, uh, advocate, par excellence, uh, politician, serving uh, the city of Richmond at the municipal level, and also a professionally uh, chartered professional uh, accountant, uh, CPA, uh, Alexa, there's so many places that we can we can talk about, you know, the performance personality that you've brought to the table uh, every phase of your life. But what got you into sports in the first place? What was the tipping point for you in terms of saying, hey, I want to do this and I want to do it well? I've, uh, my parents always raised us to um, get involved in sport. And sorry, I guess I should back up a little bit. Hi, Tom. Thanks for the great words. <laughs> uh, my parents, they always raised us doing sport. My parents met doing sports. They met doing the pre-ski exercises out at UBC. Uh, they met, they married, they fell in love, and they continued their love of sport. And they continued their love of having a family and having that family do sport. So from the time I was four years old, I was in, skiing with my parents uh, down at Mount Baker, I was enrolled in ballet lessons, swimming lessons, uh, figure skating, what have you. You know, whatever was interesting to me, my parents were were game to sign me up and get me going on that. Uh, They were always uh, very steadfast in the idea that we should be strong swimmers because that's a safety issue. And uh, skiing was the family activity. And so we were, whether we were going to like it or not, we were going to ski together. And so all of us still come back and ski together as a family. My brother, my sister, our kids, we all get together on the mountain and ski together now. Um, and, and I guess what pushed me into becoming, taking my sport to the next level was just being able to stay in sport through school and having different opportunities to stay in sport. And then in university, I had the opportunity to try out for the rowing team. So I rowed for a year. And then uh, in third and fourth year at UBC, I tried out for the swim team. I didn't think I'd actually make it, and, and I did make it. And so the opportunities, just having those opportunities out there to try a sport, to be in the sport, to see if you can take it to the next level, those were the things that pushed me along. It's like you get into it, you like it, you the opportunity keeps existing, and you're qualifying for it, then you, you tend to stay in it. And so um, that's why I'm really I'm, – I'm really – passionate about making sure that other people have those opportunities for sport as well. Uh, And then um, once I finished university, I had this idea that I wanted to get into the Mount Baker Bank slalom and and snowboard in that event. And long story short, I ended up getting some lessons with the Blackcomb Snowboard Club. I started racing snowboards and, you know, five world championships, two Olympic games later. I still haven't done the Mount Baker Bank slalom, but, you know, I, I got to go go to the Olympics, and I got to take that sport to the, the highest level that I could. More in the Olympics in just a couple of moments, but but it sounds like in the supportive environment, in the very active living environment that your, your parents created, both in terms of words and actions, it's almost impossible uh, that you wouldn't have some kind of early connection with sport, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. We, we were always involved. My dad did, you know, running with the KJX as a master's athlete, and, you know, to be clear, my dad is, is, he's not a super fast runner or anything else, but it was just, you know, that was his thing. And he went out and he joined it and did it. Uh, he took some swimming lessons with the 
our summer swim clubs just so that he could do a couple lengths of the pool, um, you know, and just just showing us that it doesn't matter how old you are and, um, you know, whether or not that is actually your sport, just go out and do it because it's fun. At, at what stage did you know that snowboarding was your sport? I don't know if I knew it was my sport, but, uh, you know, I certainly had a feel for it. I bought my first snowboard when I was 15. I spent the first day flopping around on the um, rope toe trying to teach myself and people yelling down at me some tips from the chairlift of what to do. And then sort of by day three of snowboarding, I was going in the deep powder down a black diamond run. So, you know, I I picked up on it quickly. There was a lot of, of course, uh, crossover from skiing to snowboarding. So I was able to take everything I knew from skiing and just apply it to the snowboarding. But I felt like, you know, that's where I belonged was on a snowboard. And when I decided to take it competitively, I don't know that, um, you know, I felt that I was the natural affinity to it. I think it was just, you know, once you put enough time into it and you, you start developing that feel for it, then it, then it feels like your sport. What, what are your, your biggest recollections from Turin 2006? Uh, you know, the pinnacle of your sport, uh, when you go back in time to those Olympics, uh, what's, what's, what's the upside for you and what are the regrets, if any? Um, well, the upside from the 2006 Olympics was when I was uh, in the qualifying rounds and I was head-to-head against Daniela Moyli, who was the top uh, all-round racer from from Switzerland, and she'd won most of the World Cups that year. And I started pulling ahead of her a little bit, and I thought to myself, yeah, this is the girl you have to beat today to win. And of course, you know, when you stop thinking about what you're thinking about, you stop doing what you're doing. So I fell right then and I didn't make the finals. So, you know, it's it's having that feeling that you really think that you can do this and that you can win and that you're a contender. That's such an amazing feeling. And then, of course, the worst feeling is being flat on your face, not doing it. So, you know, both those experiences happen within a you know few seconds of one another. But um, I wouldn't I wouldn't take away either of those of those things. You, you've seen so much of the world, the Sweden, Japan, United States, uh, Italy, Austria. I mean, the list goes on. And you've been like literally at the mountaintop of, of all those countries. Uh, what's, what's, what's the most exhilarating place you've ever been to? A place that, hey, um, you, you, you couldn't wait to go back to? I, you know, I love snowboarding in Switzerland and Austria and Northern Italy. Um, One of the most special events for me, though, was through sport. I had the opportunity to volunteer at the International Paralympics with the International Paralympic Committee. And so I was in Athens in 2004 for the Paralympics. And I was volunteering there. And just seeing the um, human spirit alive, in people who had had various tragedies befall them, you know, some guy had lost his both his arm, hands and feet in a landmine accident. And there he was at the Paralympics competing in his sport, you know, and, and bringing his energy and his excitement, and his ideas forward. You know, he was running for the athlete council and just these people who just the never say die attitude and, and just that vision of what life could be for themselves, for other people and, and where they can take sport. That to me was, um, you know, one of those mountains that 
you want to experience and to be on again, to be around people like that. Uh, you're top 20 at the Turin uh, Olympics uh, in your mountain, in your uh, snowboarding uh, discipline. Uh, outside of that, a lot of World Cups, a lot of other uh, uh, competitions. What's your single biggest career highlight? The, 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 the moment that you reflect back on and saying, hey, that was awesome. Um, you know, the week before or two weeks before the Olympics in Turin, I'd, I'd gotten second in a world cup. I'd had a silver medal at the world cup. And so I really went into the 2006 Olympics thinking that I could truly win at the Olympics. And so coming in 20th was pretty disappointing. Um, but I think one of my biggest wins was going into 2010 and knowing that I'd created a following and that I was bringing my community with me. I'd I'd done a lot more work to go to the schools, to bring the kids along with me um, figuratively and to say, you know, some of you are coming to this event and you're going to watch me and you're going to see the event. And some of you are coming literally to the, uh, uh, coming to the event with me and seeing um, just what it takes to, to have a dream and to go and to be there and, and to cross that finish line, it didn't really matter what the result was. It was that everyone was there and that everyone was excited that a Canadian was doing well in this race and, and that we were all there together. We're talking to Alexa Liu, snowboarding Olympian, a member of the uh, City Council of the City of Richmond, uh, CPA, and member of the Board of Trustees of the BC Sports Hall of Fame. Uh, there's so many places we can go in terms of what got you to the pinnacle of your sport, what got you to those um, uh, championship moments. What do you think... Uh, has allowed you to bring that performance um, uh, approach, that performance uh, 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 personality uh, to your career after snowboarding? Well, I think it was the same thing that brought me the success in the first place. So uh, the attention to detail and a work ethic. So when I was going through snowboarding, I, I was the one that would be, you know, first at the hill in the morning and last off the hill at the end of the day, you know, helping clean up, helping do whatever. I, I did all the workouts that were given to me. I sought out um, nutrition advice. I sought out mental help, uh, mental training help to be at the top of my game. So I I used all the resources that were available to me, and I, I sort of approached the whole thing as, you know, what stone... You're in the natural health zone with the Triskillian, the Purica podcast. ...is left unturned and go and turn it over and figure out what needs to happen there. And so um, I, I bring that same work ethic, that same passion to what I'm doing now. And I think that helps. And, and finding out all the different pieces, right? And so figuring out, you know, what, el- what else or who else can I tap or get information from or information about to make whatever I'm doing uh, a better and more well-researched and, and have a better foundation for it. Uh, what are some of the ways in which you can share how you've been successful, sort of absorbing resources around you, uh, uh, getting better, um, you know, pushing the envelope in terms of uh, uh, level of performance and accomplishment. What are what are some of the things that have really worked for you in that regard? 
Um, so are we talking like city council stuff or are we just talking <laughs> like day-to-day performance? You know what? It, it, it could be day-to-day performance. It, it, it could be, you know, your life as a politician, your life as an accountant, uh, uh, really any aspect of your life, because basically you are Alexa Liu with, in any of those different scenarios. Uh, but, you know, even just the day-to-day performance side of things. Well, I think when I look at the day-to-day performance side of things, I think about, you know, getting enough rest, getting enough, getting having my nutrition on board, so making sure that I'm fed, um, I plan where and when I'm getting fed throughout the day, so if I don't know that I'm going to be able to get lunch, I, I'll, you know, there's there's always bars in my car, There's I often pack a sandwich wherever I'm going, because, you know... For me, I get hangry, and once I get hangry, well, and once I get hangry, I'm not performing, right? So it doesn't matter how much information I have, and you know how much, ed, you know, education I've had. It, it all goes out the window when I'm getting hangry, and I, I'm just irritable, and I'm not treating people the way that they should be treated because I, I didn't look after myself. So I'm the classic person that needs to put my my mask on first before I can help somebody else on the plane. So um, I, I try to make sure that I do stuff like that. And then I try to take a variety of different courses as they become available to me. So, you know, I recently took a, a webinar on um, understanding trauma in people. And this was actually a course designed more for early childhood educators. But, you know, I was able to take the course for, you know, a couple hours and just have a better understanding of, you know, trauma, people's trauma responses, and how they might show up, and then how I might treat them, you know, and and understand that what might be going on for them. And so it's stuff like that, taking advantage of all those educational opportunities uh, that come my way. So as a counselor, we have lots of opportunities to come together with the Federation of Canadian Municipalities. We have a conference every year. UBCM, which is Union of BC Municipalities, we have a conference every year. I go to these conferences, I attend, I listen to what's happening in different places, and then I go and ask questions of the people around me. Hey, what are you guys doing in your community? How is that working for you? What do you recommend? Um, You know, and it's just taking advantage of those opportunities to speak to people, get the information you need. And and make sure that you're ready to take on that information by showing up, you know, rested, fed, <laughs> and watered. <laughs> In my high school annual, John Rennie High School, Point Claire, Quebec, uh, I wrote, it's amazing how much you need to know before you realize how little you know. Uh, it seems that you can't get enough. You're such a sponge. You want to keep on adding to that knowledge base. And it sounds like that is one of the, the, the principles of your, your high performance approach to life in general. Yeah, yeah. I, I've, I've always tried to take on, um, find out more. Uh, find out what's happening, uh, look into different ideas and concepts. I think, um, you know, there is a limit to, to all this, like we call it rabbit ears in, in sport where you've got these big, huge rabbit ears and you're hearing all these different ideas. And sometimes you can end up going down the rabbit hole with certain ideas. So sometimes you have to kind of like balance the just sheer volume and the, some, some of the ideas are less, um, uh, conventional and you can you can end up um, uh, being off on a bit of a tangent sometimes but it's just still trying to find out more understand more and synthesize those ideas 
We're talking to snowboarding Olympian Alexa Liu, counselor uh, with the city of Richmond, a CPA, member of the BC Sports Hall of Fame, longtime athlete, advocate, and mom. Uh, Alexa, uh, how hard was it for you to go from like basically being a professional snowboarder to retirement, you know, to sort of um, uh, more like civilian uh, like duties? What were what were the hardest parts of that that transition? Uh, or maybe let me frame it differently. What did you do to make sure that that was a smoother transition than a lot of athletes uh, uh, seem to go through? It seems to me that transitioning from being a high performance athlete to, you know, quote, regular life is about a two year process. And so even though I'd set myself up, I'd, I'd written my CFA levels, I was ready to, you know, I had jobs lined up, I, you know, was ready to go. It was still that process of, you know, letting go of the fact that you don't need to work out for three hours a day and you don't need to be, you still need to look after your nutrition, but you don't have to be so hyper-focused on it. And and all these other things where you're just like, you're looking at all these things where you can tick a box and be like, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, and I'm I'm driving towards the finish line, I will be faster tomorrow. And it, it's it's finding a new a new gear that you're going to move along at, and finding new passions, and um, realizing that you know when you've got a new baby, holding your baby gets you a tick mark. Breastfeeding your baby gets you a tick mark, maybe gets you five tick marks. But you know it, it's letting go of some of that type A need to achieve, and realize that. These are achievements, these things you're doing with your kids, that time where you put everything down, just pay attention with your kids or whomever you're with, uh, your spouse, whomever, you know, your friends, and, and nourishing those friendships and, and taking that more time to to just be out there. So when it comes to nutrition, to nutrition, because you talked about it, you know, watering yourself, feeding yourself, uh, uh, other elements of self-care. I mean, obviously, nutrition is basic. Um, what What are some of the principles that have worked for you? First of all, during your high-performance uh, athletic career uh, as a, a, a snowboarding Olympian, and now in you know your 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 professional life, uh, uh, what are some of the, the the things that you live by when it comes to what you put into your body? Well, one of the things I live by is planning for success. So um, if you aren't planning sort of for your next meal, how you're going to get it, when you're going to get it, often what ends up happening is then you're kind of in a bind and you'll make a not the great choice, right? So, um, you know, if you've packed a sandwich with you that is, you know, a healthy sandwich, whatever, then when noon, one o'clock rolls around, you'll open up your bag and eat it. Whereas if you don't and you push through and next thing you know, it's one thirty, one forty-five, you'll eat anything at that point. You're like, okay, so chocolate bar chips, 7-Eleven, whatever's there. Like, yeah, I'll get a bag of chips and, you know, some Twizzlers. It's like, that's not a lunch and that's not what you can feed your children. That's not what's going to get you across the finish line for the rest of the day. So a big portion of it, piece of it is planning. Um, you know, and I do stuff like I make my own granola, I make, um, you know, various things for the kids to have and things. Um, and it's having a variety of food in the house that's ready to go. I wash my lettuce as soon as I get home. So it's ready to go. If you want to make a salad, it's like you just cobble together the pieces. You don't have to think of, oh, now I got to wash the lettuce and spin it. And it's ready to go. You can just put it together, have something and be out the door again. 
Is that the single biggest advice you can give to uh, every, everyday Canadians in terms of just being prepared, always having a backup plan, whether that's a protein bar or a, a sandwich in the car so that you we don't have to default to uh, fast foods and, 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 and a lot of the processed foods that, that, that come with, with those, let's say, breakdowns? Yeah, you know, and it, it does take a bit of... Um Effort and forethought. It's the forethought, though, right? If you cut your bagels before you put them in the freezer, you always have a bagel. You can just pop your knife into it and pop it, and you have a bagel ready to go for breakfast. Now they're not going bad in your freezer. It's just those weird little things that, you know, maybe my mom taught me, not everyone's mom went through, but it's, it's being ready to go where it's easy to then assemble things and put them together, and you've set yourself up for success. It's, it's planning for success. What's your ultimate meal and I don't necessarily say it's one that has to you know uh, check every box in terms of uh, uh, natural health and 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 plant-based or whatever but like to you the ultimate uh, Alexa Lou meal what would it be oh well it's either a big juicy steak or a big delicious piece of salmon um you know maybe some my kids are in love with potatoes so we tend to eat a lot of steamed potatoes, that kind of thing, but otherwise rice or potatoes or whatever, quinoa, anything. And then lots of vegetables, love, um, you know, my leafy green vegetables and everything else, maybe salad. So pretty much every night we have a salad with the kids with tomatoes and peppers and cucumbers in it. And half the time it gets mostly eaten before we even get the dressing on it because the kids come through and graze on it. But that, that's kind of our typical a typical happy night meal at our house. And in terms of hydration, I mean, I, I, I will put my hand up and say, I know that very few days am I having the amount of water that I should be having. How do you make sure that you stay hydrated or, or in your words, uh, you stay watered? Well, I, I think your body will actually adjust to how much water you ingest, right? So if you pound a ton of water all day, you will actually, like, you can actually wash away some of the vitamins that you're taking in, right? I think it's keeping an eye on your, you know, your pee. So when we were snowboarding, we used to actually have to pee in a cup and they'd they'd test, you know, our density and stuff on that and be like, oh, you need a little more hydration and this and that. So you, you become a little more attuned to just paying attention to what your needs are. You know, I always have just a water bottle in the car, but it's not about guzzling water. It's about having some sips of water. It's about, you know, if you are going to do a workout, you know, drink a cup of water and then go do your workout and then drink a bit more water. Um, you know, not drinking a ton of pop necessarily. And, um, you know, when you're flying, try and stay away from the alcohol on the plane. <laughs> that's a, easier easier said than done yeah like it doesn't have to be super complicated right it's like you you have some water you take some sips you it's, i don't know it's easy it's there it's available and, and last one for you uh, uh for people listening to the purica podcast uh, the triskelion uh obviously active living lifestyles really really important to a lot of people uh, uh tuning in uh what can you say is 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 the the mindset that that would be the simplest for people to get into that could set the stage for them to eat better, live better, work out better, and basically just think and perform better. Um, it's 
it's that you're worth it, right? And and what, you know, if you're a Ferrari, you're not going to put dirty gas in your car, right? You're going to you're going to put the best gas in your car. You're going to put the best oil in your car. So, you know, look at the nice beautiful vegetables and and put them in your body and, you know, be picky about your cuts of meat or, you know, where it's coming from and, you know, buy, you know, that and spend some time with your food creating, preparing and, you know, don't be shy to then fire it in the freezer so that it's available for later. It's it's like it's nourishing you. It's nourishing all, your body, but it's also your mind and who you're eating with and, and what you're doing around your food and taking the time to go and work out together, be together. And, um, you know, sure, not everyone's going to the Olympics, but everyone deserves to be healthy and be able to move and, and get their body going and, and be happy together with their family. Uh, I lied in, in in saying that this was last one. I really thought of something that I was going to ask you right at the beginning, and it it really is about um you 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 said it best that you want uh, other people uh, to do well. Uh, it, it's reflected in your life as a Richmond City Councillor. It's reflected in your life as an athlete ad- advocate. Um, and 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 I wanted to ask the coaching side of things. You've been doing some coaching to try and bring these performance um. Uh, approaches. Uh, uh, what has been the most rewarding thing that's come out of you doing that as part of your professional mix? Um, it, you know, seeing some of the kids that I've done some coaching work with make it into the universities that they wanted to. So uh, several have gone on with golf scholarships to uh, University of Hawaii University uh, or to Brown University and things like that. But just knowing that, um, you know, maybe I'm helping give them some tools that they can use in their sport and in their life to move forward. And then, yeah, and and then this summer I also helped just coach my kids' little baseball team and and just being out there and showing them that, yeah, you know, I was the only mom out there on the field helping out, but showing them it, it doesn't matter if it's a the dad or the mom that's out there helping. It's like it's a parent out there helping and we all belong to, out there and we're we're all part of creating a good environment for kids to have positive sports experiences. Alexa, thanks so much for all those insights, all those thoughts. Uh, uh, really appreciate it. Uh, look forward to having the chance to talk to you again real soon. Thank you. Thanks, Tom. You've been listening to Alexa Liu, snowboarding Olympian and the feature subject of this episode of The Triskillian, the Purica podcast. You've been listening to The Triskillian, the Purica podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Purica Wellness and sign up for our e-newsletter at purica.com.